Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm the Echo's Everton FC correspondent. I'm joined by my colleagues, Carl, Connor O'Neill, and Paul Wheelock, and our long-term contributor, Gavin Buckland. Lads, we're here for the first time in months, for the first time since October, we are speaking after an Everton win in a competitive game. I stress competitive because obviously we had the penalty shootout win over Celtic and the the, the thrashing of the Western Sydney Wanderers in the uh, in the Sydney Super Cup, which I'm sure we all you know, hang our hats on over over November. But yeah, five months since a win or so. I mean, it's 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 been a long time coming. Gav, how's, how's it feel? How's it feel waking up on a Monday morning thinking, you know what? Actually, I've got some positive momentum coming from the weekend. Even for a Nardal geezer like myself, it was uh, it was great, wasn't it? I I thoroughly enjoyed the the entire experience. It was quite clear from within a couple of minutes of watching the game, which was good. That this is different to what we've seen under under Lampard and indeed under several different managers, and we built on that and thoroughly deserved thoroughly deserved our victory. The one thing I'd say, I was thinking about this after the game, and I'm going to mention Arrigo Saki, uh, who's the great AC Milan manager of the late 80s. And he had, he, he, when he first walked into AC Milan in 1987, he said to the players, so the greatest players in history, Van Basten, Hullet, you know, Rijkaard, Baresi, Maldini, said, says, you've got to work hard in football games. If you work harder than the opposition, invariably you'll win most of your games. And he saw a textbook example of that on Saturday that we worked out harder than Arsenal, as we'll talk about over the 90 minutes. On the back of that, we deserve to win. And as such, you know, Sean, Sean Dice is the new Ari Gosaki. Um, but, yeah, it was setting that aside. It was, yeah, it was a it was a great day, great experience. I'm sure that was uh, shared by everybody in the stadium, unless you were an Arsenal fan or player. Yeah. Paul, obviously, I mean, a lot of the talk in the, the week that we knew that Dice was a new manager was, was over his tactics and, is his preference for the four four two? Obviously, on, on Saturday he lined up with a four five one, made two changes from the starting lineup for Frank Lampard's last game against West Ham. Brought in McNeil and brought he brought in McNeil for um for for Damari Gray, and obviously Yerry Mina missed out. I mean, what what for, for Abdullah Decore? I mean, did that surprise you? Were you expecting him to go four four two? Were you expecting to keep Frank's kind of wing backs with with, with Damari Gray supporting Calvert Lewin, or, or or what were you expecting? Yeah, it was a bit of a pleasant su- surprise on the the way up. I've never seen on our Twitter and our uh, obviously our website at two o'clock when it came out because I think like most people would have expected a four four two, and I was quite surprised that Mari Gray didn't start because I think towards the end of Frank Lampard's reign, he was probably one of the better performers. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it added to the kind of intrigue factor uh, when we got there, but it was proved to be the absolutely correct decision, wasn't our fourth. Uh, Tactically, we were absolutely brilliant. So as Gav said, you can get a feel for a game, can't you, early on, and you could tell we were up for it. And you could tell we were really well organised. 
And, you know, Sean Dyson is, you know, his press conference on Thursday, his interview with the, the club's media, you know, after he was appointed, he did talk up this current set of players and uh, because obviously there was a lot, a lot of focus on if we could bring anyone into the transfer market. But he did talk up these players and they really did live up to that on, on Saturday. They did prove that there is talent in this squad. Uh, so they deserve a lot of credit. But for what Sean Dyche has done there in five days, really has to take your hat off for him because, yeah, it was a different formation. It's not one that he's used to playing. It's not particularly one, I'd say, ever since he used to play in either. Uh, but the players did everything that he wanted clearly to, to a T. And, you know, before the game, no, probably couldn't have seen a formation like that going forward. But after it, it feels like a bit of a blueprint. And just, just to echo what Gav said, it was just an absolutely brilliant day. Uh, the performance, the atmosphere, it really did feel like Everton a little bit again. And I know, as you said in your report after the game, Joe, there's still a long way to go. But it's just uh, certainly give myself and I think every other supporter, everyone who's in that ground, a bit of hope going forward. Connor, obviously, we, we, we speak about the 4-5-1. I think I, I can't remember Lampard ever using that... Uh formation at Everton certainly not this season but obviously they, they got the start but I thought one of the things that was quite interesting was after about 20 minutes Iwobi and, and McNeil switched flanks uh, and that kind of added a bit of a different dynamic to it it felt like it made a difference I mean one how how crucial do you think that was to, to then what happened for the next 25 minutes of the second of the first half which is where Everton dominated and so how nice was it to see and then put my cards on the table I like Frank and I think I think Frank Lampard could have done a, a, a good job at Everton if he had the resources that, that he deserves and that Sean Dice deserves going forward. But one thing I think it was a fair criticism of was perhaps he wasn't particularly proactive tactically. I mean, in the first 20 minutes, we saw Sean Dice making quite a significant change. I mean, it was quite a nice thing to see, wasn't it? Yeah, I think what we saw on Saturday was almost levels in, in terms of managers. I think, you know, Frank was obviously... Still relatively young with his managerial career, probably you know got a lot to learn. I think what we saw on, on Saturday was you know Sean Dyche, the the shrewd Premier League operator, because he's operated this level for a long period. He knows what's about. He knows how to get results. You know, it's quite ironic, isn't it, that you know supposedly Jordan you know is talked to effort before I'm big before I'm sure Marcelo Bielsa was you know needed six you know months basically to, to get his to get his head around things and, and get things right and. And just took, you know, Sean Dyche essentially a week or five training sessions to, to transform the sides. And I know, look, we, we can't get carried away because Everton is still in the Boston Parade. Everton still have a, a big fight ahead of them moving forward. But the signs of what we saw on Saturday were really, really positive. And, and I think it was very much, you know, that was what watching Everton should be all about. Of high press and intensity getting stuck in. And the big thing for me was the wingers, because it was quite interesting. I spoke to James Tarkovsky afterwards and, you know, I asked the and his performance because I'm sure touching it, but I don't know top standard. And although he was, you know, echoed them words and the sentiments, he was also very quick to praise how to all be right in the plane. said they only grew a real shift in there and, and they, they made that they were a massive outlet for us. And, you know, they've done a lot of hard yards. And the thing that caught me was how many times we attempted to cross the ball to the box. You know, one thing under Frank, I thought whether they'd be a more of a possession based game, but, you know, whether I've got a, a six foot number nine who feeds off balls into the box. It was quite clear on Saturday, every time McNeil, I don't know we got the ball, it was once with Frank Cross, once with Frank Cross. And you saw that around the corners, ever that. I mean, I don't know what this the stats were in the end, but, you know, they must have had double on the corners that they ever had under Frank Lampard because, you know, they sent this ball in the first half, and they had about four or five, a quick succession. They probably got up three or four seconds off, one way, 
you know, towards the end, McNeil goes to the corner for like a just place for a corner. But that's smart, better play than what we've seen in recent weeks. And the two wingers were British metal, and you've got to sing all Brighton McNeil because I've always been one of the better operators for a long time. I think we can all agree on that. And, you know, the, the one thing about always he's put a real shift in whenever he's been on the pitch. And you don't expect anything less now from him because he, he set that standard quite high. But the thing for me was how good Dwight McNeil got the more the game went on. I think the first 10, 15 minutes, he looked like that player who probably have been lack of confidence, struggling to get, you know, struggled to get the game a little bit, but once they need to switch, you know, he, he, he just become revitalised the more the game went on and deserved got himself for assist. And, and that was a really positive read because I've always felt that with towards the end of Frank Green, there was definitely a case where that they were better players who Frank wasn't getting enough outs off. Whether that be confidence, whether that be the way they were playing, but it felt like Everton had players who Frank Lampard should have been getting more out of. And it's Sean Dyche on Saturday got more out of McNeil. I thought more pay when he come on as well. You know, was kind of that nuisance centre forward that Brighton that you go you kind of love and hate. We haven't really seen that in Everton. You know, he's probably been too nice for his own good at Everton, but you know, he's come on and made himself a nuisance and and it made a massive impact. So yeah, for me, I think we saw a manager who knows how to get that extra 10, 15 percent out of plays and, and it made a massive difference because ultimately that's what got Everton over the line. Certainly nice to see Dwight Manil get the assist for the goal. Only his second assist of the season, and to be honest, he could have had more. I think it was it was McNeely put the cross in for the Corey in the first half, and they really should have done better for that header. I think, you know, yeah. I think one of the common things that we're saying here at the minute is it felt like the Everton and lots of people are saying this Everton worked harder than we have seen. I think the stats back that up. I think they, you know, showed on match day the other day that they they'd ran more against Arsenal than they had in any other ninety minutes this season so far. Gav. You started, you touched on this first with, with with that increased effort and desire. In fairness to Frank Lampard, that was something that he always asked of his players, he, you know, privately and publicly. He always put a lot of emphasis on on the hard work, and obviously he had a glittering career. And his ability is you know is unquestionable. You look you look at his records, look at the trophies he's won, and the teams that he's rightly played played in. And he would always be quite humble and say it was the hard work that got me there. But, you know, it was a hard work. It wasn't an actual ability. It was because on the training ground. But obviously, as Connor alluded to there, I felt like there was something a little bit different in that performance on, on Saturday. I mean, do you think do you think it, it's as simple as it being a, a new manager bounce and everybody wants to impress, everybody wants to fight for the new manager because they've got a new lease of life? Or, or do, you think, do you think Sean Dyche has got a different approach? Or how do you think he inspired that extra bit of fight? Yeah. It's a bit of both, isn't it, really? I think it's probably more um, the fact that Conor may have said this. Dice has been a manager a lot longer than Lampard, hasn't he? What does he go back to? He's 11 years, is he a manager? He's a man alone, isn't he? Yeah, so he's had that time to develop, a, especially one club, to, to develop a style of play that he wants to you know, implement during the game. So I think that's the way, like, Frank has had three jobs in, for five years or something, two completely different career paths. And so I think when Dice comes to Everton, I think he, and, he, and we've all seen the videos and stuff, he's got a clear style of play that he wants both within and without the ball. And that's been developed over many years. And you come back to what I said at the start, that, you know, that, that was apparent within what. 90 seconds of the start of the game that there's play style but maybe Frank it was all a little bit more intangible wasn't it really 
And 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 I think, you know, some of that was down to let's face it, you know, Dice is a good coach. Rank is still in the unproven category. So as an an indemnity of, of Dice as well comes comes in here. So I think it was that experience Dice has got over the years. I think in terms of the players, I think working harder, yeah, maybe you manage your bounce, but you work harder if you know exactly what you're doing as well, don't you? And I don't I don't like running stats. I mean, I get on some football pitching on now. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, is it, I don't even. Yeah, I think I mentioned this uh, Rory Smith's book about um, football data, and he found out like one of the targets Man City had would have six sprints during the game, and what he found out with uh, Pablo Zabaleta is when the ball disappeared into the crowd, he's run from one side <laughs> from one side to the pitch to the other, and that was in his stats. And and I think what I'm saying is here is it's all very well running for. But it's knowing when to run, how far to run, and you know who to run against is the key thing there. And we got that right on Saturday, didn't we? It was quite clear in the given time. The players knew where they were running to and how far they would go, and then then to retreat. So r- running hard and all them yards and fifteen kilometers, whatever, pretty meaningless to me. I, I'm relying on what I seen on during the game. And what I saw was was an effective, intelligent way of of getting out of the pitch. And some of that is due to new manager bounce, but I think a lot of that's also down to Dice's, you know, well developed style of play. And one of the things is it'll be interesting to see going forward is is that gonna beat the blueprints for the rest of the season or is that just something to cancel Arsenal on Saturday? I'll stick with you, Gav. To a certain extent, I think, judging by what you viewed of the tactics and, and Dyche's approach, probably already answered this slightly, but do you think that Frank Lampard's got any right to be a little bit disappointed looking at that performance and thinking, well, maybe some of them players weren't giving me all of their effort in the final weeks of my tenure? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, if you rewind the clock back, I think it was 12 months exactly till Frank's first game, wasn't it? Frank won his first game, three, was it 4 1 3 0? First two, first two matches. Uh, and we're probably saying, oh, they've done this under Frank, why didn't they do it under Benitez? And we're probably having those conversations if you go back to the Royal Blue podcast at the time. So I think he has got every right to. Um, but only time will tell, won't it, really, to answer that question. It's whether in three months' time, and the players will still be the same, still get the same rules as Saturday, Frank can say that the same, but Sean will say, well, actually, I've got them most, you know, a better system, fitter, etc. So, only time will tell, Joe, I think, on, on that one. But same old thing, you know, that players, for whatever reason, do have this new manager bounce, and there's lots of reasons for that, isn't there, really? It's easy, Paul, I think, sometimes to almost reduce Daesh's tactics and what he's doing to, you know, to, to, say, to say it's a simple approach to the game. But 
yeah, we, we talk about Lampard um, being at a different stage in his, his managerial career. And, and obviously, having played at a much higher level than, than, than Daesh did as well, do you think that almost... We know that Simple's more effective because, as Gav says, you know, players knowing exactly what they need to do on the pitch often leads to them being able to perform much better because the game's much, you know, the game plan is much more straightforward. You know, do you think that comes from the experience of Dice? Actually, sometimes perhaps some managers almost start their careers with lots of ideas and lots of different ways of thinking and approaches in their head. And actually, you need the experience, you need the disappointment, the ups and downs, almost grind some of them out, some of those ideas out of you. You need to make mistakes other times to make mistakes. And then through that, you define your simple approach and then becomes an effective approach as, as, as Dice has shown us, you know, can be successful after at least over 90 minutes during his first game. Yeah, I agree. You know, <clears throat> Sean Dice had experience at Watford uh, and had lost his job there. And then at Burnley, they were learning processes, you know, did in things his first season, he finished mid-table, then he got them up, came straight back down. So he's had time to really develop his own style, I suppose. With Frank, he went straight into Chelsea, which is a very big, very tough job at the time because obviously he had the, the transfer ban. There was big expectations around Derby. There was a lot of money spent. And then Everton, you know, it is one of the toughest jobs around. So it, it feels on Frank that he probably will have to go somewhere now and develop his managerial style because, as we've all said on this podcast so far, Sean Dyche has certainly got that. And it's, it's not a simple style. And, and I'm glad in the lead, lead up to the game that there was more discussion about how he sets teams up. And we've seen it on Saturday. It's not a simple style. It's just a simplified style. Uh, you know what you're going to get, but it's a really good system. That on Saturday was no mean. If, if we would have, before the game, took a backs against the wall, 1-0, Arsenal hit the bar three or four times, Pickford made four or five saves, we would have snapped your hands off. But anyone who's seen that full 90 minutes, it was nothing like that at all. Uh, I think up until the six, up until probably Dominic Calvert-Levin's substitution, we were every bit as good as Arsenal, if not better, deserved the lead. After that, obviously, we lost our focal point, even though Mopai did do well, as Connor has said. Uh, and then we did hang on a little bit, but it was it was a deserved one nil. It wasn't a back to the wall one nil. And I think Deitch, all the things that we hoped in the week, and one game is only one game, isn't it? We're still a long way to go, still in the bottom three. But all the things that we'd hoped that Sean Deitch would bring, I think we may have just witnessed it on Saturday because it. it, it I just thought I, you know people are, people who have coaches will know better than me. But for the way we pressed though was was so impressive as well. I think sometimes with the Frank. We pressed, you know, there was no lack of effort. We pressed, but it didn't feel organised and structured. You know, Arsenal, I didn't think Arsenal were too bad on Saturday. I thought they were okay. And I, I think obviously dropped levels to what they played previously this season. That's that's not hard, really, considering it's only the fourth time they've dropped points all season in the Premier League. But I thought we were more than a measure for them. And I think we we really challenged them tactically on Saturday. And I don't think they had an answer in the end of the day. Uh, and yeah, the, the new manager bounce, players are going to be up for it. Yeah, all that. But let's not take away the credit for, for Deitch and the players on Saturday. You know, we went into that game as second from bottom against the team who were, I think, in Premier League history since the Premier League obviously formed in the early 90s. We were in the top five teams after 19 games played for points. And that's obviously including like the remarkable Man City and uh, Liverpool teams of recent years. Evan would be a really top team there on Saturday. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a fluke. It was, uh, it was, it was really impressive and I'm really, really hopeful for what Deitch is going to bring. Just to round off, yeah, we don't want to, and it, it seems like Dyke has been very careful with this, uh, with the press conferences you had to be in, to in any way, you know, <clears throat> talk down about Frank Lampard because we won't forget the job he did last season, keeping this club up, 
And let's not forget, they had some really big 1-0 wins against good teams at home as well. But it just feels, even though at this early stage, that, that we've got more experience managing now. And I'm not saying Frank you know, might not get back to a club like Everton, but he may need to take a couple of step backs to, uh, to go forward with the Emirates. Yeah. I think it, it, you certainly felt, and I think this is a common thing, that Everton perhaps a bit nice, a bit passive under Frank, and they certainly had that fight back in them, didn't they, on on Saturday. I thought probably the clearest um, evidence of the attitude shift, I thought, in the first 10 minutes was Mikolenko. I think been three big tackles in the first six minutes, giving away a foul for the first one, but by the third one, you know, he tracked Saka inside, slid in, dispossessed him, and it was just it was just a different side of and later on in the game, and I know we don't like cynical tackles or things like that, but I think I think it was whenever and we're one 0 up, and um, Mikolenko he just took out Saka on the halfway line. Saka was breaking forward. He took the yellow card. He took him out. And all right, we know it's not fair play. We know things like that. But sometimes you just need to have the awareness to do something like that, don't you? The wiliness to to say, you know what, the best way to protect the goal now is just to take him out rather than get another thirty yards again, assist or win a free kick and. Dangerous area. Thought, you know, Connor alluded to that earlier as well. We saw it with Neil Mope in that that he had the last twenty five minutes when he was on the pitch. Okay, he's not the target man. We know he's not a target man, but he kept those centre backs occupied. He kept them wound up. He just annoyed them, didn't he? He just he just gave them something else to focus on other than getting back into that game, and it just makes such a difference. And when you have players that do like that, that, that play like that and that fight and show that they're willing to put their bodies on the line like that, obviously you then get the reaction from the crowd as well. Connor, you know, Goodison was at, it was at its fiercest best, wasn't it? It was always going to be... I mean, I know we talked about process. We talked about what's gone on, the discontent in relation to the, you know, the the anger around the running of the, of the club and the fr- protests against the board and the fact that we got to the January transfer window without a single signing which is shambolic, of course, as we spoke about that last week. There's never any doubt that Sean Dyche was going to get the utmost support from those fans once they were inside the stadium, was there, Connor? And, and they really did deliver, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the notion of him, you know, when he spoke at length, didn't he quite know on Thursday, his first press conference, where he took for unity and get behind the team and stuff. And, and you know, you can understand why he was saying that, because he's obviously you know, probably aware of what's going on and seen that, Seen what everyone's seen over the last couple of weeks about things have you know have gone, but yeah, you, you knew on Saturday that everyone was going to be not just right behind him, but right behind his plays and his team, and and, and play their part and and, and roll the sides over the line. And I think they did roll the sides over the line on Saturday. I really do. I think you know that last course of ten minutes, you know everyone was up on their feet, and there was, there was one moment for me that really summed summed up the change in atmosphere and mood. And I think it was about Everton were already winning about twenty minutes to go and. Mikolenko was a shot from about 40 yards and I think it doubles heads, roll doubles heads in the upper class of street, you know, there's never any million he's going to test Ramsdale. But he got clapped and he had cheers and it was like, you know, unlucky. You think back two weeks ago, if you any Southampton or Brighton, it'd have been rows, it'd have been boos, it'd have been frustration, you know. And that was the moment for me after summed up the whole change, the place, you know, uh, uh, something like that could easily take me the way, but yeah, it was greeted with encouragement. And, and that's, I think that's the big difference, isn't it? I think them. These players, are, a lot of them are clearly confident players. See that kind of, you know, they, they, they grow in stature. I think the more confident they get. And, and Goodison played a part in, you know, that them, them, them players growing in stature and more in confidence the more the game went on. Because I think ultimately the top bottom line is Everton supporters know they are one of the best chances this club has got to survive in the Premier League. We saw it last year. You know, the fans 
kept them up to dig. You know, they the scenes we saw the home games, the scenes we saw the away games. And you know, I think the prospect and the thoughts of watching their side in the championship next season is, is so daunting. You know, I find that a willingness to park any greens just they got against the board, you know, seeing figures of the club. At the at the test, obviously, when they go in and they get four behind it, even and I think you know Saturday showed it that supporters, you know, have the right to protest and, and airing grievances as they have, which they did do in large numbers, but they can still then come into Buddhist and absolutely roll this and get them over the line because we saw we like you say we saw Buddhist's best and you know there's a lot of a lot of great talk about Everton's new stadium and Bramley Ward how good it's going to be and it will be good and it will be you know absolutely superb for the club from a, a transformation point of view, but. You know, I got this position where we miss because when it's out of fourth, best like it was on Saturday, there's no place quite like it in football. Absolutely. You see, you're right, it was a substantial numbers that took place in the protest before the game on Saturday. Obviously, if Finn passed off peacefully, if they made, they made their voices clear and their frustration with the, the running of the, the club, which, as I say, we've covered on this for, for quite some time. The board didn't attend again, and it's going to be interesting to see what what has to change now for them to come back. I think, I think that's going to be. I mean, to say extend it down, if they do, they damn if they don't. If they, if they don't turn up, they're missing Sean Dyche's first game. If they do turn up, then the story becomes about them as well. But I mean, that's going to be another interesting narrative for Leeds in a fortnight's time or so to see how that one develops. But we'll we'll stick to matters on the pitch. Gav, was there anyone in particular that you were you were impressed with from their individual performances? I can think of a number, but I don't want to influence your your decision. I think we can we can think of a number that adds up to that. <laughs> Comes to eleven, doesn't it? Twelve, can't multiply. And that was difficult to fault anybody, really. Um, I think, I think, going back to you know Frank being, you know, unhappy, seeing you know in the way seeing the players perform. I think Decore is the single biggest example of that, isn't it? Really. And you know, Decore may argue, well, I performed like that on Saturday because I may have had differences with Lampard and that's affected me game and so on. So. The core is that prime example, isn't it? You think of the difference between Frank Lampard and um, Sean Dice, but Mayo Nana, I just think he's a. He's talking about after the game, he's outstanding, I thought. And, and the thing with him as well is, like, I always think this about Gareth Bale is, there's another 20 or 30% there with the Nana, isn't it? Quite easily that. I don't, I don't think. I think it's there, but I don't think sometimes he doesn't utilise it. I mean, that run on Saturday down the left wing, that was on the highlight of the game for me. He just put the, uh, the afterburners on, didn't he? And I know Odegaard, I think it was Odegaard, was not the fastest in the Paris, but that was great to see. And it was a great ball across the uh, the box as well. You know, seen loads of players you, you, with speed, but at the end they've got no product. So Anana was, I thought Anana was top man for me. I thought some, some great tackles. You know, I think you can overdo the old fish pumping on the on the on the yeah, hands on the bats. You know, after that tackle by the Gladstone's end by the uh, by the corner flag near the end, you can overdo that sometimes. But you can see why he got carried away. But he was outstanding. You can you can see why there the the the, 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 the other side of the coin with the Nard that is there was talk in January about some going, wasn't there? And. It's that other side of the coin is you do well for us in our current position and you're young and you've got qualities that maybe some of the big clubs haven't got, which I thought Arsenal didn't have with them on, on Saturday, then you're going to be a target. And it'd be interesting to see what happens over the summer with, with him. 
uh, from a rather, you know, uh, only half a season, if that. And I thought he was outstanding. And and I thought, couldn't really fault anybody else. Mimope came on and was just, I hate the phrase nuisance value. <laughs> it's just a, a bit of a belittling comment, isn't it? But I think nuisance value of Mope go hand in hand. But everybody bought an R. I thought he was, he was top class. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It was interesting because in the, um, in the media room before the game, I was listening to, to some of the Arsenal reports who travelled up from London uh, and they were all talking about Mope because they hate playing him. Apparently he just always causes Arsenal problems. They just can't. He's the four in their side, whoever he's playing for at the time. They just can't seem to deal with him. It wasn't so much, obviously, in terms of chances created or, or, or scored on, on, on Saturday. But, I mean, he certainly did prove a handful for him when he did come on. Um, Paul, I think, you know, going into that game for so many reasons, Evan fans just needed a sign of hope, didn't they? I don't think that... He, I think, I think there, was a, there was a scenario in which Evan could have lost that match and fans could still kind of come away happy, I think, if, they, if they'd have seen a bit of fight, if they'd have seen a little bit of resilience, if they'd have seen something to to reassure them that the, the Premier League survival was still a possibility and wasn't just down to hoping that three other teams are worse than Everton. Just just on a scale as to where you were, say, five past 11 on Tuesday as... Window closes as 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 I put in the WhatsApp group. There's no deal sheets sheets in, um, and we go through that knowing that the team hasn't strengthened and knowing what is to come in relation to Arsenal and the rest of the season. And compare that to where you were at say five past five on Saturday after that performance, and of course that win. Just obviously, none of us can get carried away. And Sean Dyche has been cleared that people can't get carried away after 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 one result and one performance, etc. But how much, how much more positive do you feel now that Everton's survival might actually be, at least, at the very least, in their own hands? Hugely. Again, it was a complete dereliction of duties. It does sound like the club did try its hardest, its damnest to bring players in, but to have gone the whole window weaker. It's uh, so gone the whole window without signing someone and then to actually end it weaker than we actually started. It, it, it really, really is a poor show, and. And I'm, well, I'm not saying this with the benefit of, of hindsight now, but I, I just felt that, that the appointment of Dyche was the most important thing. We needed signings, but I think signings or no signings, Dyche, it was was going to give us a chance because I just felt certainly on the Lampard, not all the time, but certainly that last six weeks, you know, losing the home to Southampton, losing the way to West Ham, losing the home to Wolves. I just felt if we cannot beat teams who were deservedly in the bottom three alongside us, and to be quite honest, uh, you know the performances of Wolves and Southampton were the greatest, were the goodest, and I just felt that the end at the end it comes. So it was always in the back of my mind. I think the biggest change may have been made. But as I said earlier, it was the performance on Saturday. If it was, if it was, 
you know, a gritty 1-0 where we scraped it, then, yeah, you, you kind of think, you know, can we get away with that each week? But I, I do think, again, it might be too early to say, but I think it is a bit of a blueprint that we've seen there that I'd hope we could try and replicate, you know, on Monday at Anfield. And in the, I suppose it's a, a different kettle of fish when a Leeds come to us where we might be expected to, to you know, to go at them. But contradict myself a bit there. I thought we did have a go at Arsenal on Saturday. You know, I, I, it just felt right. Uh, so I, the, the hope was always a smithering hope there, even after that transfer deadline day. But yeah, it certainly come, you know, come whatever time we got out of Goodison on Saturday, it's, it's gone a lot further. I just think a big thing for me, you know, we talk about individual players there, obviously, might be an honor, got a lot of praise. Uh, just to mention James Coleman, I thought he's absolutely, absolutely superb. I still think he's Everton's best right back, which is probably, uh, you know, a damning indictment of our. You know, our recruitment over the years, and that's not knocking Patterson, obviously, but he's, I still think he's our best right back and forth. He was absolutely superb on Saturday. But a thought for 60 minutes, we saw the difference that Dominic Calvert-Lewin has made. Uh, I thought he was absolutely magnificent. Uh, I know he should have scored maybe one, two or three goals, but I thought that was as good as I've seen him, bar from probably the couple of games at the back end of the last season. I thought he was really good against Brentford before the uh, descending off. And I thought he was excellent, obviously, against Palace in that second half, but I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And I think if we can nurse him through the through each week so he's out there on a Saturday, and even if it's 70 minutes, I think that's going to be absolutely massive, particularly the way with, with the style that Dyke likes to play. You've never seen us for a long time put so many balls, as we mentioned earlier, into the box. And that's clearly what Calvert-Lewin needs. You know, that's where, under that great season under Ancelotti, he, he got most of his goals in the six-yard box or in, or in the penalty area. Uh, so I think... Yeah, a lot more hopeful, but in the back of my mind, I, I would be worried if we lost Calvert-Lewin uh, a longer term because Mopai was really good on Saturday when he came on after it. Maybe after about the first 10 minutes, he was finding his feet a little bit. I just hope that that uh, the failure to sign another striker in the transfer window where it doesn't come back, come, come back to bite us, really. It's going to be really interesting, I think, on that front. I think we can all agree the importance of Dominic Calvert-Lewin to Everton's season. Uh, one of the things I was doing yesterday, I watched Forest Leeds, so I caught most of the second half anyway, and, and Leeds who, you know, on a bad run of four, and I think Jesse Marsh is probably the under-pressure manager now in the Premier League at, at, at the minute. And obviously they're in a similar situation with Patrick Bamford. They've got a, a player they know that can lead the front line and score goals in the Premier League, but it's just had a, a hellish 18 months of, of injury and for, lack of form and injury and lack of form. And again, yeah, he started for Leeds yesterday, but struggled to make much of an impact. It's going to be really interesting. I, I tweeted it yesterday. Some people disagree, some, but kind of when I look at the bottom of the table, I have this fear that I think that West Ham and Wolves will probably pull away from the battle eventually. Um, when I just look at some of the players they've got in their squads, it's Southampton and Bournemouth that I think Everton can, can who are they are above now. And, and Leeds, who I think are probably the the main three that I think are our targets at, at, at the moment. Connor, obviously, I'm sure like all of us should have been more reassured of the survival hopes coming out of, of Goodison Park on on the Saturday afternoon. Did that did that change at all as you saw the results and the, the performances over the rest of the weekend? Like, I mean, where does... Now that you've seen the transfer window and now that you've seen the first 90 minutes after and you've seen the first glimpse of Everton of the Daesh... And then you've seen, obviously, Southampton lost uh, away away at Brighton, late goal there. Bournemouth, they got beaten quite comfortably by Brentford. Leeds failed to turn up any trees against Forest. 
you know, where do you see the next few months kind of playing out and what do you think is most important to Everton's survival beyond Dominic Carver-Lewin staying fit? Well, games are good as some part. Mm. It's the biggest thing that has been really crucial for Everton staying in the division. Because like Paul was alluded to already, Everton have tossed points away already. You think they drew with Forrest in August. They've been beaten by Wolves, Southampton. You know, they've, they've been beaten by teams who they should be beaten, essentially, in my opinion. So I think winning games at Goodison is going to be absolutely huge because when you think of the games, they've got to come at Goodison as well. You think of Leeds, Aston Villa, Brentford. You know, these are all kind of the teams that you would be hoping and expecting them to be since they're going to give themselves any chance of staying up. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, making Goodison Park a fortress and maximise as many points as they can from them home is going to be absolutely crucial because that's what it's going to come down to like the, the nip and suck in, in them areas where it's going to be tight, it's going to be, you know, tough. And I don't think anyone get carried away. There's going to be lots of twists and turns. You know, a team might get sucked in it, sucked in. Who's you know who thinks that they're clear at the minute? You know, someone could go on a run who's down here at the minute and, and end up you know going to March April in a much comfortable position than what they found themselves in. You know, in January. So I think there's still an awful lot of people because it is so tight. I mean, that's one thing we can't we can't lose sight of. It's so tight down there. There's no you know there's no teams and a cut adrift. But yeah, I think you know home games forever going to be absolutely huge. Because if even you know, Goodison is if it's Goodison is like where it is on Saturday, and if it can start picking up punts, then that'll be massive for them in in the running. Because I think you know, obviously Carvalho's fitness is a major concern, but for me, I think winning winning your all games is is equally as big because that's what all the clubs do. We need to be hoping that Ella Roll plays a factor in them staying up. You know, all all them teams that are around us will be hoping that their their home form is good. So I think Everton have got to got to win as many games as they can now at home moving move forward, but. You know, on the ground, they're still a tough ask because there's no there's no given in the Premier League. But I don't, you just got that more of a reassure feeling. And I think Paul's spot on what he said. I think one transfer Everton did make was you know the removal of Frank Lampard's England and short backs because you know this this will sound incredibly harsh towards Frank. And, uh, I, there's no easy way to put this, but he is a better manager than Frank Lampard. Sean Dyche, he is an improvement on what Everton had. He's got more experience. He's got more know how about the Premier League. And I think we saw that. You know, like I said already. You know, seven days, five training sessions, and we saw massive improvements on what we've been witnessing since probably the, the return of football boxes against Wolves. So again, I think you know Dice himself, but Everton's whole club is going to be is going to be crucial. But just on Onana, going back to Onana, I do take great pride in Onana standing off on Saturday because I did write last week that Everton need a relegation hero, and he's the sole candidate who can who can step forward and lead the charge. <laughs> He kind of read back piece and decides to take it upon himself to lead by example. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of put me on the way to being proven right that he was the man all along who, who could fill the void over Charleston last season. Absolutely. You talk about there again about home form being key. Obviously, it is Leeds, it is the next home game at Goodison Park. And I think, you know, that's that run of fixtures at the back end of this month and then the beginning of March. I think it's, it's Leeds at home, Villa at home, Forest away, Brentford at home. All of a sudden, that feels like a really a big opportunity to kind of almost get a head start on the final months of the season, pick up some points and perhaps, you know, get a couple of wins at least, pull themselves out of the bottom three and hopefully build a bit of a gap to some of the teams that are in it. Before then, Gav, obviously we've got the Derby. Now, Derby is something that is a week today, so we'll we'll have two podcasts probably before the Derby. We'll certainly one preview one on, on, on Friday and then we make might make a call so we have to do one on the Monday daytime or the Tuesday after it. I think we'll focus on this more later on in the week, but what are you hoping to see 
at the derby from I mean, are you hoping to see a similar kind of performance? Do you, do you feel more confident going into that Liverpool side that have got their own struggles at the minute? How do you feel about the derby? You go into it with as much trepidation, trepidation as normal, or is this a free hit? Or uh, I wouldn't say trepidation for the simple reason that Liverpool are obviously struggling uh, a lot, and so that that's the one. You know, I haven't said that. I've seen Liverpool struggling in a lot in the past and then play against us and turn it on. So I'm not even sure that that's a um, that's a given. But a lot more confidence than what I would have been seven days ago, purely on the base that going back to what the general theme of this podcast is quite clearly that Dice has a system that he wants to play. And on Saturday, the players showing that they can quite quickly learn how to play in that system. And if we take that to field in seven days time I think that will stand us in a good stead that habit Liverpool play a slightly different way perhaps to Arsenal you know in terms of how their fullbacks play for, for the start and so so definitely far more uh, confidence I also think there'll probably be and this makes a change there'll be a few Liverpool fans who perhaps won't be looking forward to as much as what they would normally be doing so and that's not necessarily just down to their own four if they watched, uh, watched Saturday's game. So we'll talk about it later in the week, but I'm definitely uh, more confident now. But uh, it's a derby, and we know what happens. But I think if we, if we, if we, we only say is if we apply ourselves like we did on Saturday and work hard, then I've not got a problem with the results. You know, some of that is out of our control, and that's what I'm looking for. Absolutely, it'd be quite interesting. Because obviously, it was it was the Anfield derby last season. The the defeat on that Sunday, which is it was that day with Burnley, um, they beat Wolves earlier on. That sent Everton into the relegation zone. Then they right at the back end of April last season, be be nice if Everton could get a result that would take them out of the relegation zone this time around at Anfield, wouldn't it? Well, look, we'll we'll bring it to a head there because obviously we're getting onto the derby now. That's going to be our main focus for later on in the week. Um, but once again, everyone, thanks very much for joining us. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. Enjoy your week. You're doing it with Everton with a win in a bag, three points. That's it. Enjoy this momentum. Thanks very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.